Big Sloth. Right when we walk in, I fake a seizure. When I fall, I make sure my skirt comes up over my hips. I'm going commando, so you'll have plenty of time to sneak this out of the car. I love you, Grandma. You good boy. I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and with me, my good buddy, Lars Periwinkle. What's up, money? What's up? How you doing? Uh, I'm hanging in there. Who you got in the big game this weekend? Oh, is there a big game? Yeah, there's a, there's a big game. I don't know if you heard it. It's, it's not a, you know, a lot, of, a lot of weeks there's a small game, but this week there's, there's a big game. There, go ahead and sue us. Super Bowl. Oh shit! Talking you... about the Super Bowl. That's oh. twice I said it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, a lot of people don't know this. We're the official podcast of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this. If you're not listening to it in time, we are recording this the day before the COVID Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean that's what you know. Um, it used to be like you just won the Super Bowl. You know, I'm going to Disneyland this year. It's like I'm going to get a rapid response test. That's what Tom Brady will be saying. That's what he'll be saying after he wins. He will be saying, I'm going to, I don't know, storm the Capitol or some shit. I don't know. His politics is fucked up. Can I just, I have two thoughts real quick. They have nothing to do with the game because I am in no way interested in talking about the game. But thank God for that, because that's as far (laughs) as my knowledge goes. One. Can we just talk? Look, he probably is the greatest football player of all time. I think that's getting less and less disputable the more he makes it. Almighty. Well, in the position he plays. As quarterback, at least as quarterback. He's probably the greatest. But but that being said, is it are you ever struck with how remarkably uncharismatic Tom Brady is? I think every time I see him speak, I'm reminded just how uncharismatic a man he actually is. Yeah, and you know. It struck me, I had kind of this this sort of Kaiser Soze moment when um, someone asked him, and I don't know how long ago this was, This was, but it was some years ago, maybe after his third or fourth Super Bowl win, I don't know. Um, and they said, uh, you know, what do you, uh, what do you picture yourself doing, you know, in, um, in 10 years? And he said, well, yeah, well, hopefully I'm still playing football. And I thought... Yeah, you you know you know why that is, because you you aren't good at anything else. Sorry, Tom Brady. Like you're not even like you're not gonna be hired as a coach, or um, even like a quarterback coach or any sort of coordinator. Definitely not a personality because you don't have one of those. Yeah, no, he he gives Ooh. us strong vibes. He reminds me of that guy, um, the character from Parks and Rec when. Ben and April were like working for, I think he was a congressman or whatever. He was a guy running for office. Oh, totally. But they just like, their whole joke is like, I'm going to go, you know, I mean, human food. Like they just, they're all their jokes about was like what a robot the guy was. And like, there were just shots of him sitting in his office, staring at nothing when Ben was staring at nothing. They they thought there was a TV, but there was no TV. He was just staring off into the distance. Be careful. It's a hot one out there. But that's but yeah, no, totally. That it that is him. Like I am handsome man who throws football. Yeah, and that's it. Well, that's the funny thing is like Peyton Manning's been retired for a while now. But like at the height of sort of their rivalry and when they were both the two, you know, yeah. like 
one in two best quarterbacks in the league. Like it was so yeah. funny because Peyton Manning is, you know, I mean, look, I'm I'm not gonna dunk on the guy, but Peyton Manning looks the way that Peyton Manning <laughs> looks, and like uh-huh. the fact that he had multiple endorsement deals, and I've never seen Tom Brady in a commercial because I can't imagine he could do it. Honestly, <laughs> like yeah, he's a he's a he's a divisive character, you know, like you know. You love him or you hate him, and I know that's cliche, but that really is the deal with that dude. You love him or you hate him, and most of us hate him. Like yeah. not not personally, but just we hate him. Just it, that as a character, that's that's what's up. It it would amuse me sometimes to imagine him just in the city of Boston walking around, you know, or just like yeah. interact because he perhaps there's no one more. Uh, you know, like with a further divide between who their fan base is and who they are <laughs> than Tom Brady of like, <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to run in like, obviously Ben Affleck is Boston. Like that dude, if he walked around the yeah. cities, like everyone he meets is his best friend, but like, like Ugg booted, you know, supermodel, you know, married to T- Tom Brady just isn't enjoying <laughs> running into your average Patriots fan on the street. There's no chance. Well, I I, I think the only other, <clears throat> if there is a beer divide, it's between the, that same fan base and uh, Big Poppy. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, 100%. But see, I think the difference too is Big Poppy, I feel like, is um, he feels that way. Where I and the fans love him. Where like I always felt like yeah. Boston fans, the second Tom Brady w- went to Tampa Bay, were probably like, "Thank God, like we can ju- because we yeah. needed him for all the championships." But I don't think they ever loved him in the same way either. You know? No, probably not. And it's like um, you know, uh, David always played baseball. Baseball is much more. Um, it's a romantic, romantic sport for a better term. Than football is, but yeah, you, you know, you're probably right. I think he's he's determined to win win a Super Bowl after New England didn't want him anymore to shove it up their ass. And I don't think that fan base gives two fucks whether no. Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl and Tom Brady wins. Like he, he thinks he's really sent to them. They're like, oh, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, well, also one last thing about this, and then this will end our comprehensive Super Bowl coverage. So, you know, I hope you enjoyed it, but, uh, just, uh, since I, since we brought up Peyton Manning and and since we talked about his endorsement deals, what is going on with those commercials with him and Brad Paisley, where he has built an entire city in a, like, (laughs) he's in some kind of enclosed, you know, just large room with white walls and every inch of space is filled with like scale models of a neighborhood. And um, he is like just talking to Brad Paisley about the insurance, like that all of these people, you know, like, Oh, Mrs. So-and-so she's, you know, she's getting ready to retire. And these people, their kid came back to live with them like after. And it's just like, he has these really detailed backstories and Brad Paisley seems to be not into it. And I just, wait, what, what are they going for? I don't know. I just learned about these right now as you describe them, because I have no, no clue what that is. I, I imagine it's a, I know the insurance company that he promotes, so yeah. I, I assume that's what it is. But I have yeah. no fucking idea what you're talking about other than that. No, it's really weird. Like he, it's just him going on in depth about these scale model people that live in a fictional city that he seems to have built. Like the implication that I get from these commercials is that like Brad Paisley is doing wellness checks on Peyton Manning, who's just, like, living in a windowless, white-walled room, building a scale model, and, like, once a week, they send Brad Paisley in just to make sure he's still okay. Oh, understood. It almost sounds like um, like Peyton is, like, a, a cross between Howard Hughes and God. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe, I think, that I get yeah, from the commercials. That is, that's a weird way to promote your insurance company. Yeah. 
No, it's they're very odd. It's it's a strange. I also just how did what meeting landed on Peyton Manning and Brad Paisley are friends? I just I don't know what. I guess that's just hitting quadrants. They want to, you know, they they thought too different. Dem- I don't even think the demographics are that different. But it's also it's I a weird think thing. Those demographics are very different. But it's one of those things. I don't think the demographics are different. But I also don't think those two men would ever hang out if they both weren't being paid to be in a commercial together. <laughs> Yeah, no, probably not. Yeah, it's like it's like that commercial that uh, they did with Peyton Manning and um, uh, Justin Timberlake, where you know, yeah. like they sh- they showed up together to check out this stuff. No, no, yeah. So that well, there you go. So hopefully, if you're waiting to to place a bet on the game, hopefully this analysis has helped you. So hopefully, you know, yeah, yeah. I was look if I were a bet. Man, like literally, if I were a betting man and I put money up on sports, if I did sports book, I would have taken that over so quick. They had the the over under set at like 40, 54 and a half or some shit like that. Yeah, oh, I'd put money on that over so quick. There you go. So when y'all are listening to this in the future and you realize how much money I probably lost by not betting on that over. <laughs> Fuck. Not since that podcast. I, remember that, I still got time. I'm going to write it down. Remember that podcast we did a year ago where I said, Lars, you know what? I think I'm going to go buy some GameStop stock. And you laughed at me. It's just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Should have done that. It, it's just exactly like that. Yeah. I was just like, you know, I think I'm going to get into the stock market game. You know, like maybe maybe I'll buy 100 shares of GameStop at the $8 it's trading at. And, and then I didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I still regret it. That's right. And I encouraged you. I, re- I remember encouraging you. I yeah. remember back um, when we, when we, um, uh, our fourth year of this show, when it was t- 2012 <laughs> and I, and you said, Hey, I think I might get into cryptocurrency. And I said, nah, dying market. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's imaginary money. It's not real. And I was like, no, but I think I'm going to get like just one, just what if I just get one, you know, one crypto i'm gonna spend i'm gonna spend six dollars on one bitcoin you said and i said waste of money waste of fucking money you might as well buy three lottery tickets yeah yeah it was like in 2008 when you said i'm gonna buy some stock in disney you know same thing Uh when we started same thing yeah same thing i remember i remember when i said uh uh donald trump running for what now yeah right yeah. But the guy from Home Alone 2? Yeah. I don't know if you saw. This is a pop culture story. This isn't political. He he wrote a letter to SAG AFTRA like telling them I don't I don't want to be like don't don't you throw me out of here. I'm quitting. You can't get rid of me. I'm already gone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't tweet about yeah. it. There's some big, big dick energy on there. All right. Well, hey, the, I mean, we've, we've, we're having some fun here, but I think we, we need to spend some time, uh, probably the rest of the show, uh, likely. Yeah. We, we got to talk about some people. Um, we, this is a sort of super Lars segment of one thing that you have said constantly, for real, unlike all that make em up stuff that we just said. One thing you have actually said quite a bit on this show is you've talked about the fact that... Uh, you know, when people who are uh, older die, that there there is no tragedy in a, you know, how, how do you say it? You say the thing that I'm trying to paraphrase that you say. Oh, <clears throat> I think in a roundabout way, I said that old people dying is not tragic, but yeah. it is sad. And it's um, it's nice to kind of just like have a retrospective, especially people who've had such a storied life. Yeah, to celebrate the lives of people who have had long, well-lived lives that, you know, and it's just sort of, you know, I mean, uh, the way that it's worked out is there, there's been a number of recent deaths of people, a lot of them in their, I think all of them in their 80s or 90s, you know, who... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, know, certainly. Yeah, good long lives. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to spend some time uh eulogizing and remembering uh some some notable people who have recently passed away 
Uh, and I, I, do you, I, I'll, I'll defer to you. I know you, like, I don't know if there's an order you want to go in there. <laughs> like, oh, there's no order. And honestly, like we, we don't, um, um, we don't have to spend the rest of the show on this. It's just that, um, that th- these past couple of weeks, there's lost some people who've had careers that are, they don't just span decades or even generations. They span eras of time of just like <laughs> the world. Yeah. They, when, the, when they left us, the world was so much different yes. than when they like, not even when they were born, but when they started their careers. Yes. You know, and like, like I had, I had mentioned it um, to you and even in the interim between talking about it and us starting to record this show, um, we found out that, Christopher Plummer died, and uh, Christopher Plummer is one of those people who's you um, you might not know his name. Um, I think you do, but you might not know his name. But when you see his face or hear his voice, you're that guy. And he's not he's not even a, he wasn't even a character actor of his career. He was a leading man for most of his career. Yeah, but you're still just um, uh, you know Christopher fucking Plummer. Like yeah, you, you I mean, don't hear the song. You don't hear the song Edelweiss without without picturing his face. You don't, you know, the sound of music was was Christopher Plummer. You know what I mean? Yeah, sound of um, music. He's like like yeah. more more accurately, it was Julie Andrews. Well, yes, but <laughs> but no, yeah, sound of music. I mean, he's the guy from The Usual Suspects, Seven. Uh, he was in House of Cards. You know, <laughs> sorry. Now. Um, <laughs> I think I think you got confused there. <laughs> Sorry, wrong. Yeah, wrong list. I I got confused. But yeah, no, he yeah he uh, famously they reshot a movie so uh, Kevin Spacey's stupid face wouldn't be in it. Yeah, um, where they you Christopher Plummer taking over, which is probably uh, perhaps the last time we talked about him on this show because I definitely remember talking about that because that was yeah because that was when all this stuff came out about Kevin Spacey. He had just finished a movie. And they wisely made the decision to uh, replace his character with Christopher Plummer, but that required reshoots. And it was it was Mark Wahlberg and um, who was the Michelle? Michelle yeah, Michelle Williams. Williams. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I blanked. Even as she was saying it for me, Michelle Williams. Yeah, um, that they had done this movie with him, and then it turned out that Michelle Williams. Because she agreed it was the right thing to do. Accepted, like, you know, Screen Actors Guild minimum for the reshoots. Minimum. It's basically an upper DM. Yeah. Reshoot. Which is like, legally, you have to pay me something, so pay me scale. Uh And Mark Wahlberg held out for like millions of dollars. (laughs) He was like, oh, I already shot my million bucks or something like that. Yeah. He was like, well, I already filmed it. Yeah, you paid, dude. Yeah, they paid. You're not getting paid? Yeah. So there was all of that. Uh, But. Yeah, it also hit me, like, I was trying to think, like, it's kind of funny that the the last movie that I watched him in, uh, I remembered, was Knives Out, which was, uh, yeah. yeah, which is great. And, like, he's so great in it. And it's such a unexpected, like, his role specifically in that movie really surprised me in the way that he played it, you know? Most definitely. And that's, that's something I think... Um... I think every everyone knew when you're when you're making that movie, um, especially uh, Ryan Ryan Johnson understood if the I'm making a murder mystery if the murder victim isn't super charismatic and likable then this movie doesn't work well right and, and it has to be char- charismatic and likable in a very realistic way and that's that that's kind of Christopher Plummer's jam and in a short amount of time, like you, cause you got to get to the mystery part. So like you got a few scenes really to convince us that this guy is worth, you know, like caring who, you know, what happened to him. So no, yeah, most definitely. And yeah, he, you know, he, he's one of those, one of these, one of these actors who he, um, what am I trying to say here? He he couldn't help but be likable, even when he wasn't supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like you, it's always fun to root for the bad guy, um, but even when you aren't supposed to, you're just there's something about him 
that um, really draws you in. And I think that's so good with whether you're playing um, a bit part or a baddie or, um, or you're the leading man, there's something that he did that really pulled you in. You almost just like like to watch the man work. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was in particular, um, um, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. He played a Klingon who was obsessed with Shakespeare and earth culture because he hated humans so much, mind you. <laughs> um, uh, and you wanted to dislike him. And these are against some of the biggest heroes in TV and cinema history you can think of. Can you, like, it's Kirk, it's Spock, it's McCoy, it's Crush, like, it's, um, uh, these are the heroes. Um, but still, there was something about him, and I don't even remember his character's name. Probably, Nailed um, it. But, um, uh, but there was just something about him, like you liked him. You weren't rooting for him, but man, you liked him. You liked to see you liked to see Christopher Plummer on screen, and he, you know, um, he didn't receive an Oscar until he was into his eighties, into his eighties, playing a seventy-something-year-old person. Um, um, in the in the movie Be uh, Beginners, which if you haven't seen it, it's actually a very it's kind of it's kind of heavy, but I think it's a very fun and um, charming movie. Um, you, you McGregor. That, um, I also i I loved his acceptance speech. I remember his acceptance speech. Uh, I don't remember. What did he say? Uh, well, because he he talked about the fact that the Oscars and him are about the same age. And he said something oh, to the effect shit. of like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> <laughs> fucking question. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good speech, but yeah, no, I do remember that. But yeah, I, I think that was yeah. kind of to where you started too. I think what's interesting about him is because yeah. And again, like sound of music is like, uh, you know, it's a movie that obviously, you know, evokes a certain era. And I certainly like, you know, I'm sure we all grew up watching or seeing at some point. And then like, the fact that he just consistently worked and consistently worked like through knives out, but you know, like every, every decade would like at least have something of, you know, he did a beautiful mind. Like he just had all this work that just kept, yeah. you know, he stayed relevant his entire career, which is very rare in Hollywood. I feel like. Yeah. Straight up. I mean, like in my, in my head, um, uh, from my perspective, anyways, he's a, legendary actor um but he'll show up in a he'll show up in a 12 monkeys yeah and just be yeah. i i'm a weird guy in 12 monkeys or whatever yeah he seemed um, to have that figure like he just could do that no he seemed to have that just he liked to work like he just wanted to keep working you know and, yeah um yeah i'm trying to now i'm curious because i'm like how many like credits does he have 216 credits on 216 I, credits in what is it, uh, 91 years of being 91 alive, yeah man. yeah so yeah, well well done Christopher Plummer like you yeah you did your work <laughs> you made your mark and then you're out well done yeah I mean because that's like if you think about it that's yeah that's like multiple movies a year like even if you know because well, it's not like he started acting when he was a baby but it's like you you have to make multiple projects every year to hit that many <laughs> like fucking it yeah that's that that's something so good goodbye christopher Plummer. <laughs> he was so good yeah also he's he's good for um he's good for a trivia question too and like nothing none in particular but like Trivia and crosswords, that guy comes up a lot just because he's done so many, like, you know his name, but he's done so many smaller things and bigger things that Christopher Plummer comes up actually quite a bit. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So okay, Christopher Plummer, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't like it feels weird to be like, and next, you know, <laughs> and next. No, it really it really is. Um, um, I think. I think if I have mentioned um, if I have mentioned anyone as much as I've mentioned Alfre Woodard, it is Cecily Tyson. Yeah, remember? I was gonna say no. Remember, Molly and I were talking remember. about this. Didn't you 
wish to switch places with Cicely Tyson. I did. That was it. Yeah. That was my, um, that was my, I don't know, Freaky Friday was me and Cicely Tyson would switch places for a day so I could live live as her. No, when the news broke, Molly reminded me of that, that you had said that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's she's always been really fascinating to me, Um, uh, Cicely Tyson, because she, um, um, if, you know, the, like, I don't know, the struggles, the struggles that a person has to go through to become an actor or a successful actor, it actually, like any kind of, if you can be paid as being an actor, then that's fucking impressive to me. Um, but in the, the time that, um, that Cecily Tyson was trying to do it, being, being a woman, being African-American, like the, the deck, the deck is so stacked against you. And the fact that, um, she made it through on, um, uh, perseverance and raw talent is has always really impressed me and it fascinates me what she does with different characters um uh i, I remember her too and i don't i don't remember when or in, in which context but she she would say that she would um uh when she was learning to play a character she would try to meet people, whether they were strangers or acquaintances or even people that she knew that that she thought inherited certain traits that she wanted to incorporate in a character she was playing. She would kind of like just stop them and interview them. Like people on the street, people in restaurants or even people that she knew and just try to understand different sorts of people so she could get different uh, perspectives on a character that she was playing, you know, on stage, on screen, or whatever, and that's um, you can, you know, that's, um, it's easy to say that's the sort of a, a pompous thing to do. That sounds like some bullshit Hollywood crap that some old actor would say, but uh, um, I think it shows on screen with the, the, the differences in her characters from. Um, performance to performance I think that shows and that's what always has drawn me to her every anytime anytime Cecily Tyson shows up on screen I am 100% in whatever piece of crap it is or whatever <laughs> piece of art or or whatever it is I, I have always been just like that's that's the lady right there that's what I'm talking about it's there's an interesting uh I guess you know just coincidence I don't really think there's any significance to it but uh with her and uh, with Christopher Plummer, of I associate both of them, uh, like the earliest work that I know of them, is are both things that were shown to me in school. And uh, well, because Sound of Music, like obviously, it was like, of course, that was just the classic, like, you know, it's almost winter break and I don't want to teach, uh, you know, kind of yeah. one of those safe, you it's, know, that was history. Look, here's a World War II movie yeah. that I can actually show in school. Yeah, this is teaching. We're doing teaching. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, I definitely remember like the unit where we watched Roots and we talked about uh, oh, yeah. Roots. Like so that that always like I think is the first thing that comes to mind for me is just, you know, like, you know, I do they still do that? I don't even know if, if Roots is still shown in schools, but I remember it was like a whole unit. Like there was like, you know. There was, you know, a lesson plan that, like, I don't know. I have to imagine our teachers were probably, like, it was given to you with, the, like, it was very incorporated. Like, we would watch Roots and then we would talk about the history uh, in elementary school. Like, I remember doing that. Yeah, I don't know. My guess is probably not, but I wish they would. Well, because I know, like, LeVar Burton has done a lot of stuff like that. So that's why, like, yeah. it would not surprise me if that was, you know, looking back, a coordinated thing that, you know, was done with schools. But, uh, but yeah, no, Roots, obviously, um, big, you know, like a huge. Uh, yeah, huge. I remember I went to see, <clears throat> and full disclosure, I went to the movie theater to see a kid's movie called uh, Because of Winn-Dixie, which is a very cute beautiful movie i went to see it because dave matthews was in it oh god how many times have you seen dave matthews remind everybody how many times you've seen dave matthews <laughs> um between 18 and 25 times i went to i don't know somewhere in there there's his autograph picture you can see it joel can see yeah, it i can see it yeah. yeah yeah um but it's actually a very very cute movie with jeff 
Daniels and Anna Sophia Robb and Cecily Tyson, who is, I went to see it and then she shows up as this, she just, she just takes over a room when she walks into it. Um, and she will, you know, it takes place in the South, obviously because of Winn Dixie. Um, um, and she's this uh, sort of, uh, she's this old blind woman that people are afraid of because she's misunderstood. We all know that that trope in kids' movies. Um, but it ends up, she, it ends up being a, a very, a very nice story, but she is so goddamn good. Like, she's better than she even has to be in the, in the fucking thing. I mean, she's playing, she's playing opposite Dave Matthews. Uh, <laughs> And still just like bring in the A game because that's what professionals do. So she's um and you know what stinks is that Dude. I thought she I thought she had retired. <laughs> and so like, okay, Cecily Tyson isn't showing up in things anymore, probably because she's earned herself a rest and I hope she's enjoying her life. Turns out she's in How to Get Away with Murder, which is a show I don't watch. Yeah. And she's just been over there introducing herself to new generations and destroying it, apparently. I didn't know that. So also, now I have to watch that show. No, she's at 257 credits for her on IMDb. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. These are it's working the, folks. I was going to say, they're they're both just of like similar ages of just like, no, you keep working. <laughs> like you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you take the roles, you know. You take the role. You chose a profession. So yeah. you take, working you actors. take the jobs. Yeah. Straight up. Um, but yeah, no. And also... Um, yeah, she's in another movie from my childhood that I we did not watch in school. We didn't watch, but Fried Green Tomatoes oh. too. Like, oh yeah, Fried yeah. Green Tomatoes is great. Yeah, that's a great movie. I uh, remember thinking that like I don't remember um, exactly why, but like you know my my parents were gonna watch that movie or something. Oh god, this looks so boring. And then you watch that movie. That's actually a really that's a really good movie. No, I definitely that is a movie that I watched <laughs> with my mom as a kid for sure. Like that's yeah, that's the yeah. movie you watched with your mom, I think. Like the <laughs> straight up. Yeah. 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 Cecily Tyson, uh Kathy Bates, Jessica Tandy, mm-hmm. if I'm getting the lineup right. Yeah. That that's nice. that's a great movie. And then it's uh it's Mary Louise Parker, right? She's am I remembering that right? The isn't she in there? That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. But I, I I don't actually remember, but that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah um yeah that's all i got so how how, cecily tyson you did your job we're gonna miss you yeah how was dave matthews in that movie (laughs) actually very good the only two things i've ever seen dave matthews act in are an episode of house where he played someone with a disability which is not good that's right uh and uh whatever adam sandler movie he was in that i remember he showed up in yeah he played he played someone with a um a brain injury in house and then he played, played a, 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 a gay guy with no lines yeah <laughs> no, movie. Yeah, no, those are those are the only two things. I'm also oh like, my god, in another Adam Sandler movie, he played a southern racist. Oh no, that's what I remember. Yes, that's the one I saw, whichever one that was. Uh, uh if you don't mess with the Zohan. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw him in Don't Mess with the Zohan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Um, also, wasn't Red Foreman his dad in that episode of House? That's, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly that. right. Yeah, there you go. Um, we'll save that for when we eulogize Dave Matthews. Ooh, um, sorry, that's not funny. No. Um, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, but also, no, if he, he I was trying to think, but, he was actually good in um, just go with it. Is that the Adam Sam? I think that's the yeah. Adam Sandler movie with Jennifer Aniston. The funny thing he is, man, taking part in that. Man, I've seen good. him in more Adam Sandler movies than I remember because I did see that movie. They became buddies. Yeah. I think they're weed buddies. If he if he did pass away, though, what would you say? <laughs> okay, uh, that's, that's yeah. rough. Man. Yeah, that's sorry, rough. sorry. He look, he will live on forever and as legend to me for the use of his song in Community. Like so. <laughs> hee haw, haw, hee haw, haw. Oh, so good okay all right so where who who are we talking about next who are we talking about now you know what let's touch on um let's touch on comedy legend chorus leachman oh man who yeah. who we lost recently because look grow, growing up i had like i 
I don't remember when when I became interested in comedy. Um, as listeners of this show will know, I I became good at comedy, TBD. <laughs> but I loved comedy, and I loved comedy because of old movies um, uh, that I would watch, and there was there were no movies more prevalent than Mel Brooks movies. And Cloris Leachman was featured heavily in those. Um, like my heroes were, you know, name it was it was uh, Cleavon Little. It was Cloris Leachman. Uh, Madeline Kahn is probably my um, one of my favorite actors of oh, all yeah. time. I, I've, I've watched her in everything she's ever done. I've loved everything she's ever done. And she was someone who would say that Cloris Leachman influenced her to get into comedy, you know, along with, along with that, you know, Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball and stuff. But she would name her. And the, these were the people that I watched. And there isn't, there isn't anything, any, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. There isn't anything I've ever seen Cloris Leachman in that I haven't found her utterly hilarious and charming 100% of the time. Yes. No, for sure. Yeah, Cloris Leachman, uh, it's interesting. If we're uh, pointing to photos that are over our shoulders that our listeners can't see, uh, there is always a photo of my grandfather that is up in my kitchen when I record this show. Uh, two of his favorite movies of all time that uh, I saw because of him were Young Frankenstein and Ooh. The Last Picture Show. Were Boom! Yeah, so... That's so she got her Oscar, baby. Yeah, so both of the... Like, obviously, uh, you know, saw those as a kid. Love both of those for very different reasons. They're They're very... You know, they're practically the same movie, I think, but... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they're, close, they're both in black and white. Yeah, they're both in black and white. Uh, they're both about you know a, a bygone era of movie making. You know what? I could make the case if I really. <laughs> you could make the case. You could too. Yeah, uh, I think what we're saying is Bogdanovich was really just uh, ripping off Mel Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's time someone yeah, says it. Let's say that. <laughs> It's what time someone, man, I, I don't want to go off on a whole tangent, but my favorite, one of my favorite things that I've gotten into recently is just reading about Peter Bogdanovich's love of um, how much he loved Orson Welles and how, you know, he befriended Orson Welles like in the 1970s. And then Orson oh, Welles boy. just became like a terrible house guest that wouldn't leave. <laughs> the 1970s is not when you want to become friends with Orson no but he like idolized him and you know obviously was uh, Orson Welles is a huge influence and then he just started like sleeping in his guest house when he was married to Sybil Shepherd. it's good stuff uh but that's <laughs> oh my god it's really great no there's a there's a documentary on Netflix that's about uh the other side of the wind it's called I think it's called you'll love me when I'm dead uh and it they talk to Bogdanovich and Sybil Shepherd, and Sybil Shepherd is not super enamored with <laughs> With having had Orson Welles, they seem like they didn't like each other. Her and Orson Welles. Um, oh boy! But uh, anyway, that is a tangent. Uh, but no, Cloris Leachman was great. So like, definitely, you know, that stuff. Obviously, yeah, the Mel Brooks stuff. Like, just comedy legend. Uh, and then like, I she's another one that like I love that she kept working and kept just playing these uh, like you know jaded old lady parts and and one of the shows that molly puts on a lot uh that i've definitely had you know seen but not really i'd never been super into but i've gotten into recently because we watch it a lot like in the background is malcolm in the middle and yeah she's so great in that like her her part in that and it like is so funny and yeah that was molly and i were talking a lot about that of just um like there's one episode with her and francis where like they're they're flipping through a photo out. Like she's just going through a, an album of old family photos and she like pulls one out at one point. It's like, what are you doing in here? I didn't want to see you when you were alive. And she like throws it over her shoulder. Uh-huh. No, it's so, it's so great. Like she would get cast in these roles where like, um, <clears throat> it was, you know, you're gonna, um, even though she was, a, 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 in my opinion, a, a, she was stunningly, uh, a stunningly gorgeous woman yeah no i would agree with um, that. yeah um but she had these heavy features to where it was very easy to make her look 
uh, look like a caricature. So if she would get cast in these roles, where it's, okay, you're you're an old woman, you have a you have a, a hunchback and um, a peg leg and a claw for a hand, and um, and also you, we need you to speak in this uh, Balkan accent that actually no one has spoken in that accent in about a hundred years. But if you could figure that out for us, that'd be great. And she would play the character straight. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I mean, she's not playing for laughs. She's reading the lines, and it's it's like literally flaw, fall on the floor hysterical. Yeah, oh, this yeah. woman's performance. It was so man. You just don't. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to say you don't get that anymore, but just there's something. There was something about this like this woman, like. Uh, and also, um, Madeline Kahn did that. Um, Gilda Radner did that. I think uh, Leslie Jones does that um, the same way. Of yes, yeah, it's deadpan playing the character as written, but motherfucker, it is so goddamn funny. Which is always yeah. No, I mean that that's definitely the style of comedy I love. That's the style of comedy I was raised on. Like anytime someone can just play comedy utterly sincerely it's always funny like they're going <laughs> so for the good. joke you know and no she was really good it's really funny too because yeah that exact episode of malcolm in the middle i was talking about she does lose a leg in that episode and she had a vague like eastern european accent in that show there we go yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so definitely yeah. she got she kind of like i don't know her um um I, I you know i don't know where her people come from but she definitely had like the bone structure and features yeah. of like an eastern european person there was also god um you know man i'm gonna i have to see if i can find it actually because now i'm like i was gonna reference it but let me see um there was because a lot of stories ended up coming out of people who had worked with her you know and just like how hilarious it was to know her you know and like how funny she yeah. was um on set. I remember she was on like I didn't like um Dancing with the Stars is not a show that I watch. It's not a show I would ever watch. I'm not terribly interested in stuff like that. But Cloris Leach- Leachman was on Dancing Dancing with the Stars. So now I'm watching that show because I love her. And after one of her dances, it was time for adjudication. And the woman sits on the floor. Like she sits on the floor and puts her legs behind her because um, she's in her 80s and she's tired. <laughs> she just she's she's smiling and cracking jokes the whole time, just being just being stupidly charming and funny. Just still like on this, like you don't even have to be. You're just they're paying they're they're paying you to be on this this silly network reality show to dance around, and she could have. Just as, just as easily been, you know, um, uh, just the, the token senior citizen. But she, of course, she's always performing. It's great. Yeah. No. I sorry. So I found the 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 thing. I'm unfortunately probably going to butcher this guy's name, so I apologize. But it's an actor. I want to say it's Elias uh, Tofexis. T O U F E X I S. And. Uh, he says uh, he posted this video after Cloris Leachman passed away. He said on set once my wife, Michelle Bobak was texting me and it started getting on Cloris Leachman's nerves. So she sent this message. So Cloris Leachman <laughs> sent this message to the guy's wife because she was bothered by how much his wife was texting him. Michelle, darling, shut the fuck up. <laughs> She's the best. She's the fucking best. And the number of people, and I would totally agree, who are like, it just hit me that I will never get a video from Cloris Leachman telling me to shut the fuck up. And I'm kind of sad about it now. Like, you want that (laughs) for sure. (laughs) But no, that's amazing. And and the guy was quick to say, too, that, of course, like his wife uh, absolutely adored getting that message. Like, it was not in any way, (laughs) you know, contentious. Of course, course. who wouldn't? That's great. Oh, of course, Beachman. Yeah, no, she's great. We only like, you know, I I, I cited other examples and you know, people that she influenced, but um, when it comes down to it, <clears throat> you only get the one Cloris Leachman, and unfortunately, we don't we don't have one anymore, and she'll be sorely missed. 
And it really is, I mean, she had a, like all of these actors, like had a long career, continued to work. Uh, but it is to the detriment of sitcoms that she does not exist to play. Because she, that really was like a niche that she found that was great. Because she did it in Malcolm in the Middle. She did it in Raising Hope. Like, I know she had other, yeah. like she she yeah. kind of had this like thing going of like, if you need a a body or a contentious old woman <laughs> in your sitcom. Like, yeah, she was, uh, yeah, she was the that alcoholic grandma in that fucking Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> Oh, Why are we talking so much about Adam Sandler? I, I did not know. anticipate that. All right. It's, it's frustrating that he gets so much talent for his movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we <laughs> like Dave Matthews, that huge comedic acting talent. Yes. All right. Um, I think you, you said you have one more person that you want to talk about. Did I have one more? I, let, me check, let me check these off. Oh, I'll miss you. I'll miss you. Look. Murphy, what do you have to say about Larry King? Are you talking about Larry from the corner? Larry from the corner! You know, I mean, you're talking about the guy that used to play stickball with Sandy Koufax, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. That definitely happened. <laughs> no, I, so you and I were talking about this before. So, I mean, Larry King, you know, of everyone, he... He doesn't seem like a person to me. Like, <laughs> like Larry King to me is a collection of ridiculous infer. Like he's my Chuck Norris of just like, uh-huh. <laughs> like just there's so many weird stories about uh, Larry King. I think you and I have talked about before. We grew up in the Washington D.C. area. There was uh, a very uh, beloved radio show that you and I both listened to growing up called Don and Mike. They certainly mm-hmm. had a lot of fun uh, talking about Larry King and playing together. Yeah. At the time, he had both his TV show and a radio show. And he would, his, it was often his radio show that they would find clips from. He, uh, he would fall asleep on the air because I think it was like late oh, at yeah. night. You know, he, there was also, there was this, uh, did you see this story that like he, like early on in his career, this came out after he died. Someone was talking about, Early on in his career, when he was a DJ, some woman like called him up and said they she wanted to have sex with them, and she lived near the station. So he played a re- like he put a really long song on to go have sex with a woman while he was what? on the air. This is a story he told, by the way. So also it could be uh, like the Sandy Koufax story, but um, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's weird either way that he would tell that story because <laughs> if you're lying about that, that's just as weird as you actually doing it. But I think it was that he said that the record skipped and so he got caught or something. Or also, I mean, you yeah, know, it sounds what, like a bunch of horseshit, Larry. Probably, no, a lot of he had that sort of like big fish quality where a lot of Larry King stories did not uh-huh. quite sound uh, real. But I did like because. You know, Don and Mike. So the, I think the first thing I, I texted this to you. They they loved this clip. I I'm borrowing their. Oh, we're we gonna play the clip. We gotta play the clip. What I are love you? them. I love this clip. So this was yeah. This is a clip that they played. That was a prank caller uh, that <laughs> called into his radio show. <laughs> I just noticed something that in one of your interviews with John Candy, I believe it looked like an older interview. You had less hair than you have today. How do you explain that? I uh, don't wear a wig, sir. Paint your bald spot? <laughs> what bald spot? You paint your bald spot? I don't know what you're talking about, sir. My hair grows. You paint your bald spot? I don't have a bald spot. How come you had less hair on the tape? Maybe my hair grew. Maybe I had a bad haircut that day. You paint- By the way, something. What do you care? Paint your bald spot? I don't. Do you paint your bald spot? Paint your bald spot? Mm, you sick. It really is just sick. You're sick at the end. Yeah. So, oh, man. Also, they would play that clip, and it's a longer one, but they would play that clip where Larry didn't know that they were back on the air. And yeah. He's, he's asking a person about yeah, who their he, agent is. Yeah, he, like, falls asleep in the middle of a conversation, and then when he, <laughs> like, wakes back up, he tries to fake it, and he's not talking about the right thing yeah that one i don't have that one pulled up but that was another great clip and i mean the thing about larry king that you have to appreciate is up until the end he gave us this stuff because this is the most recent uh time the time that he like came up you know the last time larry king was talked about was fairly recently that was like the last few months the time is meaningless now but i i know this was recent from but so it was this 
Uh, a luxury you can't live without. A luxury I can't live without. Coffee. I really like good coffee. It's not coffee. a luxury you can get it anywhere. Uh, I guess, yeah, I like good coffee. What's my... I love coffee, too. I like nice socks. Socks. Your, your socks, would you put in your shoes? Yeah, I really love them. I like kind of like, you know, cozy feet. You're attracted to your socks. I'm attracted to really nice running socks. Like, I'm always looking for good running you know, socks. Not, that's not a luxury, though. Coffee and socks are not a luxury. All right, give me a luxury. Which, what luxury should I have? Private plane. Larry, I'm on ducktails. <laughs> Boom. Watch that. <clears throat> Do yourself a favor. If, <laughs> if you feel like it, watch that whole Danny Pudi interview because Pudi is, he's... He's not humoring Larry. He's just answering the questions in the most compelling way he can think of because Larry is just reading questions off of a piece of paper. Well, it's just like he has to answer the questions, but he understands that people are watching this interview. There should be something compelling other than you ask me a question and I answer the question and now you ask me the next question. That's <laughs> stupid. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, there's definitely, um, I don't know, in, Larry King never had a particularly vibrant interview style. No! Yeah. No, I was, I was watching, so, um, I watched the, um, uh, on HBO Max, the Heaven's Gate, uh, documentary. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I, Molly watched that. I, I kind of cut in and out on it. <laughs> like, I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of those things where, you know, I I remember when it happened, I felt like everyone moved on much too quickly because I wanted more information. Like, but why and how? <laughs> um, anyways, they, uh, you know, after, after the Heaven's Gate um, cult, I guess, um, group, depending on your uh, perspective, um, after they all uh, assisted themselves and then been committing suicide, the family and friends of of those people uh, went on kind of a, a media parade because people did want answers and they wanted a perspective of it. And they showed a clip of this woman whose whose mother and father had been in and out of Heaven's Gate for a minute. And she was describing what happened to them and their state of mind and how you know, they, they could have been brainwashed or whatever, and then ultimately ended up um, uh, killing themselves. And when she, after, after stating something in, in that effect, Larry just goes, sad. <laughs> yep. She said, yeah, it is sad. <laughs> Very sad. It's just, I just don't. I understand in his early career, he was a very talented and hardworking journalist. And I'm not saying he wasn't that through the end of his career. All I'm saying is, <laughs> in my lifetime, what I saw Larry King do was wear suspenders in front of a wall that was covered in lights and ask the most banal, stupid questions to famous people and, and, and you know, smarter people. Um, uh, with having a vague idea of who they might be, like yes. just very vague. Like he did. Like well, it seemed like he didn't even know who Jerry Seinfeld was when yeah. he was interviewing him at one point. And there is zero chance he knew who Danny Pudi was. Like absolutely none. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. No. It, <laughs> I also love like Larry. He had just such a like brusque demeanor. You know, like like you said with the satire, like. He'd have people call in and be like, Lars Periankel from Baltimore, Maryland. Go. <laughs> like, uh -huh. just... uh -huh. After say after saying something horrible, like, oh, okay. So is that correct me if I'm wrong? But is that the second time you had chlamydia? <laughs> Joel from Los Angeles. <laughs> You're on. You didn't even <laughs> And it was what's, like what's even happening right now, Larry? And there was no adjustment, like to whoever the guest was. It, it, they were all <laughs> interviewed in the exact same style, like yeah, the exact same style. Another good one is uh, another good recent one, anyways. Is um, and I can't remember his name. What is the name of that uh, 
Uh, it's John Mulaney. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's another good interview because at one point, so they start the interview and Mulaney's doing an interview. I'm being interviewed by Larry King and he's kind of like treating it with a bit of gravitas. Like this is Larry King. This is a seasoned veteran of, uh, of journalism. I'm going to take this seriously and, and talk to the man. And you can, the, the, the first part of the interview, you can see the switch flip of, this guy is ridiculous. I'm deadpanning this for the rest of it. And he, I don't think he tells any lies, but he's very much like, now, now we're doing a bit. I'm turning this interview into a bit because that's the only way that I can figure that it's going to be entertaining for anyone to watch because you're just reading questions from a card and waiting for me to answer. And then I answer, and there's no follow-up, no. no reaction. You just ask the next question, you ridiculous man. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I I think we could continue to do his show with without much of like if you just used clips of Larry asking the because he asked a lot of this. He could probably just he could be replaced with a soundboard, I think. But I love the Danny Pudi one, because Danny Pudi seems like almost ethereal. Like he seems very serene. Like Pudi is just, he's very present very much in the moment. And he's, he's really, he seems like he's enjoying himself in the moment, you know, very, very much. So I love, I love that. Interview. He's so relaxed and he's like being very genuine and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, answering, answering Larry's questions, but he's also not going to be pushed around. You yeah. Know what I mean, like that, <laughs> That's not a luxury. All right, you tell me what a luxury is then. Like, I'm not, like, what you, I'm answering your goddamn question. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, because I would agree that coffee and socks are luxuries, but I could see someone pushing back on those. But it's just, it's the fact that when he pushes back, he, then he swings way too far the other way. Yeah, straight up. Private jet. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Larry uh, King is truly yeah. one of a kind. Uh you know, uh, I also, and that's what it is, right? Like, he's one of a kind. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> mocking the man, nor am I trying to like. Um, well, and also, uh, you know, I don't tear down he... tear down his legacy. I'm just saying he really did become a character of himself and a character of a specific sort of journalist. Well, and, and also, he, he might have been the last one. He, I think he, I don't like, maybe if you're listening to this, you'd think like, oh God, like why are they doing, but at the same time, like, I actually think he had a really good sense of humor about himself uh, and was very willing to parody his persona because uh, I know he would go on like Conan's show and he he did some of the, like in the year 2000 stuff and, and that, but also one of the things that I did think about when I first heard that he passed away that I loved was that episode of the Simpsons where uh, Homer eats the, the blowfish and he thinks he's going to die. They have the Bible narrated by Larry King and, oh, that's right. and it's just him going through all the so-and-so begot so-and-so like, he's just like, like they do that part. And then it goes to the, it cuts to the end because Homer spends all night thinking it's his last night on earth, listening to a audio recording, you know, an audio book version of the Bible, but it gets to the end and it's just, Larry just starts rambling about random stuff at the end of the tape. He's giving like betting, like gambling tips. And he's like talking about like restaurants in New York that you can get good food at. It's great. Yeah. I remember his, um, you know, um, him being Jewish, that was a great source of humor to himself. Like anytime he could bring up being a Jew, he would do that because he knew it got a laugh, which it usually did. That was just Larry's jam. Well, he also, he is so New York to me. Like there's something just very like, yeah. just, you know. Yeah, I know. Man, remember when, so he, <laughs> Larry King and Snoop went out for a meal one time and uh, they went to Harlem to a soul food restaurant. And um, they sit down, and what does Larry King order to drink? I'll have an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> so they ask him what the fuck that is. It's iced tea and lemonade. That's what I'd like to drink. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing, Larry? Yeah, no, he definitely, yeah. I mean, man, the guy, no, he definitely iconic in just how weird and how specific he was. Also, it totally fits that he was one of those guys. I think he's married like five times or something. Like he just like I think you're lowballing him. Maybe I, I am yeah. seven, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. But yeah, just 
definitely. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, hey, if I can, we're about out of time. I actually want to sneak in a fifth person. Uh, oh, yeah. There's one more. She was 91 years old. She just passed oh, away. Uh, but Polly Lou Livingston, who voiced yeah. Tree Trunks on Adventure Time, passed away. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And I, I love that character. She seemed like a very sweet woman. Uh, I, I don't have much more to say beyond that, but I just, I just wanted yeah, to sneak her is, in there, you know, that is, that is very sweet. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. um, you know, this, I mean, this is the world we're going to be living in from now on. My dear listeners is that we've had a lot of beloved entertainers and they all get older <laughs> and die. And that sucks. But yeah, it, if you've it, never it seen, really sticks. uh, yeah, she did like, I'm looking at it's 23 episodes of, of, adventure time where she played tree trunks it's just a great character um, yeah that is that is a great character i need to watch that son of a bitch yeah it's a good show for sure it's a great show yeah uh but yeah watch it watch adventure time and also folks if you haven't seen it watch uh over the garden wall that's a really quick watch but it is so so rewarding and i think they're um i think they're both on hulu as a matter of fact so if you want want to watch some uh some cartoons that the kids can watch, but are also very entertaining for uh, for the grownups. I I would say those two could do it. You know, over the garden wall, it gets a little scary, gets a little yeah. dodgy. But Adventure Time, one hundred percent, your kid can watch. Also, man, no, that's a show that I wish existed when I was a kid. Like I I could have used Adventure Time when I was young. <laughs> yes, straight straight up. Yeah, yeah. that would have been great. Yeah. Also, great. Bimo is the greatest character that has ever existed in an anime. <laughs> like, I realized I would die for Bimo. Like, I just want to put that out there. Bimo, I would take a Bimo bullet for Bimo. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would die for Bimo, but I do love me some Bimo. <laughs> He's it's good. Bimo's red hot like pizza supper. <laughs> also, I mean. As, as we're wrapping things up there up here, I'd just like to point out, and mind you, we already told you when we're when we're recording this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Mel Brooks and Betty White. Don't you stop is, it. They're you going to it. bury us all. Okay. We will yeah. all be in the grave yeah. and they'll be walking around dancing on them. Yeah, I'm not prepared for either one, even though <laughs> no. yeah. I will never be okay with that. Nope. So remember, question everything. I sent a letter to my brother I sent a photograph to my mom To my father I sent the keys to my car To my love I sent a Ended. I'm sorry, I will not be coming home The cliffs of Big Sur are rock candy in my mind And the smell of your backyard at night I've been swallowed by the idea I can't set it right Fuck up ain't deserving of the kindness shown I'm sorry, I will not be coming
sorry will not be coming home. I'm sorry I will not be coming home. I mean, he didn't go when Carl Reiner went, so I thought they, you know, they or be or Sid Caesar, right? <laughs> yeah, or, or his wife, I guess, <laughs> or Van Bancroft. Yes, that's that's true. Hobo Radio is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.